Welcome. So we're continuing our, that was great, kids' church talk. So good job. Um, continuing our talk on church. So we're asking the question, you know, why are we here? What are we doing? But before that, I don't, know, I don't know if anyone here, who's gone through a gym phase? Can I get a show of hands of people who have gone through a gym, a gym phase? Yeah, Moshi's still in his more than a phase lifestyle. This, I asked them to bring a dumbbell and I can barely lift this one. So uh, when, I was, when I was engaged, I went through my gym phase, you know, getting myself ready for, you know, getting married, all that kind of thing. And um, we'd go to the gym every, I'd go to the gym, I think it was three times a week. You know, you'd do, your, you'd do your arms one day, right? Arms and chest, that's one day. And then you'd do your, your back would be another day. And then legs, you know, that'd be, the third, that'd be a classic sort of three-day routine. Is that right, Moshi? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So in other words, no. <laughs> no, no, just being nice. I'm pretty sure that's how we broke it up back in the day before, you know, the latest research on whatever. And there's, for people that go to the gym or that have been to the gym, there's this classic, uh, there's this classic aphorism, this, this, this principle, don't skip leg day. Have you guys heard that one? Don't skip leg day. Because you don't want to be, you don't, that's, a, that's a, you know, who's with me? Don't skip leg day. All right, thank you. Because, you know, you don't want to be, the idea of, you want to be this organised, you know, um, evened out kind of individual. You want to work your whole body, not just your upper body, because you don't want to, you know, have scrawny legs and this massive chest or what. You want to be an, you know, nicely proportioned individual. That's the whole reason you're going. So don't skip leg day. And so I guess what I'm talking about today as we um, open the scriptures is, um, thinking about, you know, are we as a church kind of skipping leg day? Are we, as we start to think about the body of Christ as a, as a body, um, we start to think about the church, um, how are we going? And, and I'd be interested to sort of, I haven't really told you what text we're talking about yet, but if you were, if I was to get you to sort of think in your head, um, what's God's kind of plan for the church in terms of how do you think God wants us to build ourselves up? What's like the ma- instead of going to the gym to build our body up, what's the thing that God wants us to do to build up the church? Or how, how is it that God wants to build up the church? I don't know. I, I just have, maybe have a think about it in your head. How would you actually answer that? Um, that's, that this text that we're going to look at today is going to provide us an answer. This is what God wants us to do to build up the body. And that's a way of talking about the church. So grab your Bibles and we'll open up to um, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Right, I'm going to talk briefly about this thing called the fivefold ministry of the church. I just need to change the um, projector here so that we can do my presentation. I've got a one slide talk today, which is, um, that's pretty good. Fivefold ministry, it's a bit hard to see that, but that's all right. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll just read from verse 11. We're basically just going to look at from verse 11, sort of down to the end of um, verse 13, just a little passage. What are we here for? What are we, what are we doing as, as people who are the church? So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure 
of the fullness of Christ. So if we take this analogy of bodybuilding, you know, for the church, how is it that God wants us to build up the church? It seems that what this passage is telling us is that God gave these five kind of um, types of people, types of ministries to the church so that we'd be built to... So Christ gave himself... Christ gave himself... Christ himself gave these five things. This is what the kind of talk is on today. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to do what? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach maturity. So the idea is that the, the sort of answer to this sort of awkward question I've asked at the start is it seems that the way that God wants us to sort of reach maturity and be built up is actually by engaging in works of service. That's the, there's probably lots of different ways to answer the question, but this is the way that this particular text is answering this question. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the church being this kind of, um, this, we use the word ecclesia, a, a place where we sort of come together co- to try and organise the kingdom of God, to try and organise how we're going to be and do the works of the kingdom. And this text kind of picks up that idea by talking about works of service. You know, the whole purpose we're, we're here together to worship God and to, to, um, to organise and to do works of service in, in the world so that the body of Christ um, may be built up. So there's these, there's these five things which is probably helpful to, for us to think about. Um, that's our, our passage. So there, I've talked about this, I think, in the past. So this is kind of a bit of a brief review. Um, the acronym is APEST, or APEST. That's pretty easy to remember. It's not very appropriate, but anyway, that's just the way the letters come out. APEST. Um, the, so the first one is apostle. Right? The second one is prophet, evangelist. And so there's dot two Ps. I've changed the... Um, often change the P to S, which means shepherd or pastor. And finally, teacher. These are the these are the five things. So, what's going on? What's going on with these? And how are we kind of going as a church? Are we meant to do these things as one local church, or are we thinking more about the broader church globally? We may need to do all these things. All these sorts of difficult questions. Um, what's an apostle? What on earth is, is an apostle? What are they? What are they meant to do? This is a hard question, right? Because it's answered in lots of different ways. Apostle. Um, is this kind of person, the, the word apostle means sent one, one who is sent. Right? So this, it's this idea of being sent out to do something. So God gave apostles to, these are the people that are kind of being sent out of you know, the comfort zone, out into the world to do various things, kind of groundbreaking new things, kind of in, innovating, all this sort of stuff. Um, so the people like when we saw that video today of... Uh, um, mission Catalyst, is that what they're called now? What are they? Global. Global Interaction. Global Interaction people. They, these, this is a good example of this apostleship kind of going out, breaking new ground, doing the, these sorts of things that um, lots of us can't do, but some people can actually do. And so the, God gives these people and ministries to us so that we can be mature, we can become mature. So that, that's, that's an interesting one, apostle. Um, is, you know, and so there's this question of, wait, when we're talking about apostles, aren't we just talking about you know, the, the 12 disciples? Aren't they just the apostles? Um, or is there, is there more people like that? In the, in, in the first century, there's actually more apostles than just the 12. There's um, lots of other people that are called apostles. Interestingly, in Romans, there's a female who's called an apostle, junior. So, boom, drop that bomb. Um, <laughs> so, there, there's lots of people who are called apostles. 
um, in the first century. So then the question goes further, what about now? Like, do we still have apostles now or is that just a thing for the first, for the first century? And so that's an ongoing debate and question. Depends how you want to define it. But anyway, so there's this thing called apostleship um, and there's people who we might call apostles. Then, then there's prophets, right? Prophets are about speaking the word of God. So prophet, we often think about prophecy as in predicting the future. Um, and that's maybe a, a part of it. But prophecy, more, more, the better way of thinking about a prophet is a prophet is the mouthpiece of God. A prophet is one who speaks the words of God. So to our community, God wants to say all sorts of things to us, all sorts of encouragements, all sorts of things to say, oh, you know, you're not doing that awesome. How about we fix it and kind of try this instead? God wants to say all sorts of things to us as a community and as churches. Right? So the prophet is, is the person or the ministry who speaks the words of God, that, that, that's prophet, that's the second one. The third one is the evangelist, right? And evan- evangelism has become this kind of awkward word for us now, and it's, um, yeah, I don't know, quite know how to explain it, but ev- evangelism, evangelist, we kind of know probably what an evangelist is. The evangelist is someone who carries the good news of Jesus and shares the good news of Jesus to people. Now we can do that, obviously, here. It's good for us to remind ourselves what the good news is. Um, so... What is the good news? The good news is this message, as Tim said this morning, heaven and earth coming together. If you want to handle on what is the good news, God is doing stuff where, think about heaven as God's space and earth as our space. God is all about bringing those two together, back together. Heaven and earth coming together. So the gospel is that Jesus has come as this sort of, you know, um, this forward movement of the coming of God's kingdom heaven and earth coming together. The resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins and to basically defeat death. How cool is that? We worship a God who has defeated death. Uh, Christianity is the only religion, if we want to call it that, whose God has scars. We worship a God who, ha- who bears scars. He still has them. Um, so th- th- we have this message that God has, himself has died to defeat death and he has defeated death and r- risen again. And, and we've got this sort of this hope for our future that we too will be risen. We'll experience this resurrection body like Jesus. This is the good news. This is what God is doing. This, this, this resurrection that's happened is the first, it's, we talk about it like first fruits, like when, the, you know, when it's spring and the first strawberries start coming up out of the out of the ground. The resurrection is that first strawberry, the first, first fruits, when there's, there's lots more coming, but this is the beginning of it. This is the thing we're, we're looking forward to. So the evangelists are the people who bear this message and, and speak it out to remind us in the church about it, but also tell other people outside of um, the church about it. That's, that's, that's the role of the evangelist. The shepherd, or the part, so we use the word pastor most often, and another good word for that is shepherd. Right, The shepherd is someone who looks after the the flock, if you like, you know, making sure the sheep don't get eaten by the wolves, right? So someone like um, Sally, you know, she's got a massive pastor gift. She's got a pastoral gift. And you notice that whenever she's talking, you kind of feel cared for. Whenever she, whenever I'm talking, you don't feel like that at all. But (laughs) (laughs) But when Sally's talking, it's like she actually, she cares for us. She doesn't want us to get eaten by wolves. She actually wants to kind of wrap us up and, and, and protect us and care for us. This is the pastor. This is the pastor gift. And this is, we absolutely need this um, in the church. Um, there's other people that have it. I could pick, pick people out at random, but maybe, maybe I shouldn't. Kaz, you've got a pastor gift as well. There's lots of people in the room 
that have got um, pastoral, really strong pastoral gifts. And when you're around them, you just feel okay. You feel cared for, you know? This is good. And then, and then the, the, the fifth of these five is teacher, a teacher gift. So teacher gift, you know, people that want to um, teach us what the Bible is kind of all about, trying to understand how it all fits together, trying to understand the gospel message, trying to understand all sorts of different things. Teaching is that, is that gift. So this is my primary gift. And so when I'm teaching, there's, there's often a kind of a, a, a tilt towards the evangelism side of things for me and different people. Sally's also got a teaching gift. And when she teaches, it's got the pastoral side to it. So these different sort of leadership um, skills operate in different ways. And I guess when we sort of want to think about, well, what are we doing as a church when this text is kind of saying, um, um, you know, God's given these five things to the church to, to, build, to build us up so that we can build up the body. How, how are we going with that? Because the interesting thing for us, not just at Southern, but sort of largely in Australia, um, who, do we, who do we employ? We tend to only employ pastors, right? At a stretch, we might employ someone as a teacher and call them a teacher, but generally we'll call them a teaching pastor, right? But basically all our, all our job descriptions and all the people we pay are pastors. So it's... it's the, the focus largely for us, and this is potentially a distortion that we need to correct, that's what I'm saying this morning, is that our overemphasis on pastoring is to the detriment of the wider thing that God is trying to do, um, do with us as a church. And so the, there's this really interesting sort of historical movement when we, you know, in the first century to be a Christian was really hard. Basically, you were, you were signing up for, um, you basically probably get, possibly going to get killed, certainly going to be ridiculed and possibly going to get killed if you become a Christian. So when Jesus said, you know, you must take up your cross daily and follow me, that was a metaphorical thing, but there was also a literal thing that you knew that if you would to follow this Jesus, you'd possibly end up on one of those wooden crosses. That's what it meant in the first century to follow Jesus. And, and for the first three centuries, that's how it happened. But when um, one of these emperors called Constantine um, sort of um, became a Christian or, or sort of saw Christianity as this way to organise the empire, suddenly Christianity was no longer an illegal religion and it was a legitimised religion. And then after Constantine with later emperors, actually Christian, Christianity became the legal religion. Right? So you, you could only legally be a Christian in, in the Roman Empire. Right? So, so now suddenly there's a shift from taking extreme courage to be a Christian to being, taking extreme courage to not be a Christian. And so basically everyone that was born was considered to be by default a Christian. So what do you do with evangelists? Do you need evangelists? Not really. Like no, no, one, no one needs to be an evangelist in a world where everyone who's born, well, at least a Western world, in that part of the world, everyone who's born was by default a Christian. And so we've got about a thousand years of that history where largely evangelism is not really necessary or it's not really done here. If you want to do evangelism, you go over there, to, you go to Africa, you go to Egypt, you go to wherever to, to do evangelism. That's where, that's where you go to do evangelism. But everyone else, we're all Christians, so we don't really need to do that. So there's this, I mean, that's a way oversimplified simplified history. But there's this thing where evangelism is kind of this awkward thing that we don't really need. And then, so now we're well past that. Um, and so we need to recover this idea of what is evangelists, who, who are evangelists, what are they doing, how do we, how do we continue to do um, that work. So I guess my, my prophetic warning to us as a church 
is to say that the extent to which we overemphasize teaching and pastor as the two things we do pretty well and most of the time um, is the extent to which we're skipping leg day. We're, we're, we're missing this, this bigger thing that God is doing. Now think about it, the apostle and the evangelist, these are very much the outward focused um, grow, growing kind of things. So, so we have all these questions and surveys about church growth and why is the church in decline and there's all sorts of difficult questions around that. But one of the, one of the obvious answers would be the extent to which you neglect apostleship and evangelism is the extent to which the church is, how is it possibly going to grow? Um, so I guess I'm putting all those sorts of questions out there and letting this text kind of speak to us. And as a community, we need to continue to be challenged by this and continue to think about this. If you feel like you have maybe a, God's given you a gift, maybe a prophetic gift, there are people with the prophetic gifts, this is probably something we need to continue to develop in our church. Um, the apostleship gift, you know, that's, that's, that's a bit more difficult, um, but please talk to us and, and let's together continue to try and build up... Um, continue to build up this body and, uh, and sort of correct maybe some of these imbalances. So this is, what, this is what we're doing. We want to be a people who are well proportioned in all sorts of ways, not just pastor, teacher, focus and strength. So let's continue to do that um, as a church. Um, let me pray. <clears throat> God, thank you for a chance to gather together today. and We want to really hear whether this is something that you have for us or whether... This is just me sort of being silly. And Lord, we want to 